This is the Lotox Life Podcast. If all the birds could fly right now, as high as me somehow, they could see all the things I've been dreaming of. These wings of mine flutter inside, they shimmy and they glide, breaking forth, crack the shell from this clockwork light. Hello and welcome to the Lotox Life Podcast. I'm Alex Stewart, your host, and today is show 260. And the year is screaming on if you're listening live. I cannot believe we're heading into the middle of November at the end of this week. Uh, and it brings me great joy to have Dr. Perry Nicholson back on the show with me uh, this week. He is um, a, a, a health visionary, I think, someone who really is championing whole body healing, whole systems healing. Uh, his famous catchphrase, no system gets sick alone, no system heals alone. Uh, it's really um, powerful stuff, especially for those who have been chronically unwell or chronically in pain for years and you felt like going after all the symptoms or going after the pain location has just kept you with uh, banging your head against a brick wall, which of course is not good for brain injury as we talk about in today's show. Uh, But I think you will be very, very excited to come across Perry's work if you haven't already. And if you didn't listen to the show we did right at the very start of this year, I would highly recommend you tuning into that show as well because uh, it is going to just help you understand his work a lot more. You can jump in and follow Stop Chasing Pain on Instagram as well. He's a chiropractor by trade. If you had to pin a definition on the studies he did that gave him the certificate for the wall that he doesn't put on the wall, Uh, but what he has achieved ever since not only through seeing the need for whole systems uh, healing and work for his clients, uh, but also in his own uh, health journey that took a massive nosedive right about the same time as me. Not a fun thing to be twinning on, uh, but uh, it um, is always such a powerful thing when someone then lets their mess become their message, you know, really takes the time to understand how to heal for the distance and then to go on uh, empowered to teach thousands how to do it for themselves and how practitioners can do it for their patients and clients. So I'm going to hook into that conversation in just a little minute, but I want to remind you now we are well into this month's sponsorship with the wonderful Primal Alternative. I love this brand. It is a brand of bakers all around the world. So you can join no matter where you live. Uh, Founded by my good friend, Helen Marshall here in Western Australia, in Australia. And uh, through her own frustration as a coach, seeing the barriers to entry for people adopting the foods that they needed to adopt for their family to get well, maybe it was a child with gut problems, maybe it was uh, a family with multiple different sensitivities, uh, whatever the reason where grain-free was going to be really one of the best healing modalities for them food-wise, Um, she always found that the scratch cooking part was where people come unstuck and that was where they'd revert to old habits or things that actually made them feel awful was to actually have to make everything from scratch. So she decided to start a licensing business where she has all the recipes, one of which is my beautiful whole food organic 
uh, spray-free almonds uh, chocolate brownie mix, which is just divine, super low sugar, really delicious. Uh, so I encourage you to check that one out if you actually just want to buy their products retail from your local Primal Alternative Network. Um, but, uh, yeah, so she has cookies, breads, wraps, all sorts of fantastic uh, replacements and substitutes with whole food ingredients. And then you become a Primalista purchasing a license, and then you get all the recipes, resources to create a business that works for you, your lifestyle, your family, how much you want to work, how little you want to work, and then you sell under the Primal Alternative banner. And so people can either make, uh, usually their first order is via the Primal Alternative website, but once you know your local Primalista, you tend to order direct. And uh, it's just such a fantastic way to localize food systems is to create these local pars. I mean, if you look at the average wrap in an Australian supermarket, most of them come from Ireland or America and they travel all the way to Australia in their soft plastic phthalate ridden packaging. And we buy it here and it's got like a two month shelf life. That is not normal, folks, you know. And what I love about Primal Alternative is they localize the whole system. So you're buying breads or, uh, you know, those all the, all the products that they have, pastries that have literally been made in the last one or two days, fresh, beautiful ingredients, uh, very whole food approach, very low to no sugar in most of their products uh, and is really worth checking out from the retail perspective. But from the business perspective, Helen uh, is after growing the Primalista network because they're getting orders way beyond what the current Primalistas can cope with. And so if this sounds like you, if you're a passionate cook and you wouldn't mind cooking a little extra every day to earn some money for yourself and the family and at the same time uh, start a business without all the pressure and stress of your own website, your own branding, your own products and all of that kind of jazz that often stops people from making a leap, uh, then this is definitely something worth exploring. So what you can do is you can jump in and book a call with Helen via uh, the website. So primalalternative.com forward slash call. And then you're going to have a chat with someone on the team and they'll talk you through all of the different uh, aspects to becoming a Primalista. And for anyone who joins this month and starts their Primal Alternative journey, Helen is offering some amazing bonuses. So really to help you kickstart your business, $620 worth of extra stuff, including a organic fair trade primal alternative apron, 200 compostable cellophane bags, a hundred personalized labels for your first few bakes and a one-on-one coaching session with her exclusively. Uh, you also get six primal alternative bread tins. So you really do start with all of the tools that you need rather than having to fork out for all of that extra stuff as well. So book a call with Helen, primalalternative.com.com forward slash call, and she'll, she will talk you through uh, the details. I'm so excited for, for her, and I love to see primalistas uh, popping up in the UK, in the US as well. It's awesome to have seen it grown beyond Australia because – Fact is, busy modern families need a bit of extra help and it's what stops you from making poor choices in outsourcing. So awesome, awesome stuff. All right, now let's have a listen to this wonderful 
progression of the conversation that we started way back in January with Dr. Perry Nicholson. We're talking brains, nerves, detoxification, and pain. Enjoy. Hello, Perry Nicholson. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? It's wonderful to be back. I can't, we were talking a little bit before that it's been an entire year since our first (laughs) chat. I cannot believe that. (laughs) It's crazy. It's really crazy. Uh, And it's one of those time warp times where you feel like time's going real slow at the moment because there's so much happening in the world and it feels thick. But at the same time, you know, we're all achieving stuff, getting stuff done, and um, and here we are nearly a year later. So I wanted to talk about the brain today. I know you brought out a new course recently that unfortunately coincided. I'm one of your pro members, and unfortunately it coincided with the launch of my book literally that weekend. So it was like the worst timing for me to take in new information, uh, but I can't wait till it comes back. And I I really love having seen the progress of you teaching around vagus nerve this last couple of years, really going all in on how important that is. And now the progress of, okay, so if we want that to work, we actually need to make sure our brain is draining and detoxifying well, right? So um, that's where I kind of want to start today. I want to talk about clogged up brains. And uh, oh, you came to the right spot. <laughs> I know I did. I know I did. We'll dive into the really simple subject of the human brain. <laughs> Yeah, let's let's do it. So, yeah. Well, first of all, before I we get started, congratulations on your book. You oh, know, thank you. you. Be, be really, really proud of that. Uh, it's it's awesome, and the world needs it. So, well done. Thank you so much. Coming out in the U.S. in February, so everyone knows. That's a good way to start the year. Yeah, nice. it sure is. Um. Okay. So the brain. I I would like to ask you as someone who started out being a chiropractor, you know, you thought, okay, this is how I'm going to help people. Mm -hmm. At what point, uh, chiropractic obviously teaches uh, about the brain and the nervous system, but you really feel that this is super, super key to people really healing, especially from chronic pain, chronic injury, chronic illness, chronic stress, chronic, 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 chronic. Um, And often we look at the system or the pain in the location and you always tell us to stop chasing those things and to go much higher up the chain. How did you figure out that that was so important to take your clients in practice on that journey? That's a great question. Well, honestly, it was through my own pain and suffering and having to rescue myself when, when nobody else could figure it out, you know, but also... I kind of had a feeling early on that there was much more to this chronic pain game that I was exposed to from chiropractic. So don't get me wrong. I mean, I, I, I love chiropractic and I still do a little bit of it, but it, when people ask me, what do I do? I don't say a chiropractor because you automatically go to this mental file folder of what it is yeah. based on what your experience was, whether it was good or bad, or sometimes it's from somebody else's experience that was relayed to you. And I tell people, you're probably going to stand a 0% chance of getting it right when you try to throw me into a box, because (laughs) I don't have a box. (laughs) Because if you think outside the box, you find yourself in another box, I just threw them out, right. And, (laughs) but I was always very frustrated of why these wonderful techniques and things that I learned help people, but not for a long time. Mm -hmm. Why stuff 
kept coming back and we were looking at the nervous system. Yeah. But we really weren't focusing so much on the brain. And when I graduated chiropractic school in 1997, we still had antiquated things. We thought about the brain that it couldn't change itself. Like they actually used to think that. Yeah. Happen. Yeah. It's crazy. Yeah. So and, that and should so put it recent. in perspective. It is. Mm. And that should put it in perspective, honestly, about how little we know or about the human body or what we think we know <laughs> that, that <laughs> yeah. is right because it's probably mostly wrong, but, but you go with what you got in the moment that you're in. And, uh, you know, I don't want to influence the nervous system through adjusting the spine and it would help people move better because you got some mobility back, which is the ability to move, but you know, stuff would keep coming back. And then it was only later in life that I went through many different changes of different disciplines that I tried to look into that I got really, really sick that I had to really, really start to combine these thought processes together to try to rescue myself. So Perry, and, uh, Perry, we didn't talk about that um, chapter in your life. Uh, mm -hmm. The last time we talked, do you feel like you want to go into that now? Like what happened? We'll go into wherever you want. Yeah. What happened? Yeah, well, I got really sick by, and I didn't really know what it was or why I got there. How mm. many people listening know what that feels like? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know? I really didn't have a diagnosis on something. I just had a lot of inflammation in the body and my immune system was going crazy. And I started to get what you would categorize as an autoimmune disease. And I actually ha probably had more than one. And then they just call it poly autoimmunity because you're allowed to have more than one problem. But, uh, you know, I, I just was like the traditional approaches were not helping me that, that they were doing. And I, I realized that I had to think differently if I was going to get out of that. Yeah. You know, and even when you do have a diagnosis of what something is, I'm always asking, why the hell did you get it in the first place? Like, I mean, what's up with that? I mean, you're supposed to get sick and get something, but you're not supposed to stay sick. That's the idea of what health is and a, a strong immune system. But we seem to be going the opposite direction of that. I mean, it's it's a higher incidence of autoimmune disease and chronic disease and chronic pain than ever before in the history of man, even though we have more technology, more medication and spend an enormous amount of money on treatments because we're just chasing symptoms and we're not getting to underlying root causes of things. And that's a difficult thing because there's not one root cause no. of these things. And you can't go after it like that. And that's what medicine has been programmed to do. You look mm. for the, the one thing onset. And that's pretty good in acute care and traumatic care. You yeah, know, you I always say those, that. Yeah. You know, if I get hit in the knee with a hammer, well, there you go. There's mm. your answer. Mm. So A equals B and then fix the knee and don't hit yourself again with a hammer. Um, but what if the knee just starts hurting out of nowhere one day? Like yesterday, it was great. And today it's not. I mean, what's up with that? Mm. It didn't just show up all of a sudden. It's been building up over time. And then what we do is we chase the knee. We go after the knee. And you should. Right. But I'm going to tell you something right now. 100% of the time, it's not going to be just the knee. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'll go. I'll I'll die telling you that that it's true. 
And then people say, well, what system of the body would you start to look at in relationship to chronic pain? Well, that's an easy answer. Yes. <laughs> I love it. When you say that. Them. Yeah. And that means you yeah. have to know all of them. Yeah. But here's the thing. You can't just know all of them. You got to try to understand as best we can how they work together. That's where the thinking process comes into play. Because you can know everything you want about one single system. That's called a specialization. Like you see a specialist, right? Heart specialist, gut specialist, lung specialist. But, you know, when you throw all those parts inside of a living, breathing human being, they're no longer individual organs. They, they work all together. And you have to see how they behave with each other. And not only that, once you know that, you have to understand how they're going to behave based on the human being that they're living in. Because mm. that changes. <laughs> lungs are not lungs is what I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Which means your lungs are going to behave differently than my lungs because they've, they've had a different experience from the moment it's of your first So breath. true, Perry. And, you know, so many people ask me, how are you healing yourself from mold illness? Like, what exactly are you doing? And the thing is, when you get, uh, uh, gosh, when, when something takes you over, whether it's autoimmune misfiring in the body or whether it's a fungi or a parasite, it's taken you over, you as an individual. And the way you get out of that is going to look different from one person to the next because the way you got into it was probably a little bit different from one person to the next. Yeah. And maybe another person wouldn't have gotten even it wouldn't have even gotten yeah, into it. Exactly. Yeah. So that's true. You can't, you can't cookie cutter care. You have to have a starting place, right? Uh, but for uh, some place to begin, otherwise it's nothing's more terrifying than the idea of unlimited possibilities. And that's what it is. In I think that's it. Body. Yeah. But, but you start somewhere and then you, you see what the outcomes are, and then you adjust along the way. That's why the, I spent a lot of time with people in the beginning through the initial assessment of one, just talking to you, listening to you, your story is going to tell me the answer 99% of the time that I'm, a, I'm going to observe you. And then I'm going to do something that we've lost the ability to do, at least in healthcare, in my opinion, is Get in there with your hands and feel the tissues and not just feel the tissues, but watch the response of the person who has the tissues to your touch. That's big because they'll, they'll reveal to me where they don't want me to go and where they don't want me to go. Guess what I do? That's where I'm going because the body's telling me that it, it doesn't want me to go there. It's, go, it's going into that safety protective response because there's things that you cannot see on a medical exam or blood work you can only feel it with your hands and because i see so many people that come to me and they have normal blood work whatever that means mm -hmm. right it's a spectrum that you happen to fall under in that moment of time that they took your blood and an hour later it may be off yeah so it's it's relative and they say, well, we can't find anything wrong. Then I have them on my table and I do one of my assessments and almost every place I push, 
there's pain or there's inflammation or puffiness and a withdrawal response. I don't care what you tell me from your test. Person's not well. And you have to figure it out because the body is, is telling you that. It may not have reached a point where there might be so much, I hate the word dysfunction, but symptoms or signs that is the cue for you, or at least medicine that now, okay, now something's wrong. Yeah. Now we can what, treat and it will cure. What about medicate. that building process mm. up there? Mm. It, it doesn't just happen overnight. If, if anything, it accumulates over years, if not decades. And especially when you're talking about the brain, I, one of the biggest questions that I ask people when they come in to see me who have an autoimmune disease, or especially if they have uh, gut issues is, have you had any prior impact or trauma to the head that you can remember? And you don't even have to answer the question because I know the answer. Yes. Cause you've been on this earth. You've been banged in the freaking head. Mm -hmm. but I know it. So it just depends. You may have even forgotten it, but your nervous system never forgets it and it's adapted to it. And if you've had any type of trauma to the brain, it doesn't have to be a big hit where you're bleeding or you lose consciousness or you're blacked out. It can be a simple hit to the head with a ball. It can be a whiplash injury. It could be a fall where you fell down and your head whipped up and back like this. Those add up over time. And when you've had injuries like that, you're, you have inflammation and you have damage to tissue and your body is trying to heal it as best it can, but it leaves a mark mm -hmm. and it can appear decades later. Wow. And that's really, really important for me because I know you're going to be compromised in your brain with the ability to drain the toxins from your brain from a lifetime of using your brain you have to remember that your brain creates toxins every day just from using your brain. When neurons wire and fire together, you may have heard that when neurons oh, yep. fire, they create metabolic debris. Everything in your body does that. And cells die all the time. One, because they're pre-programmed to, and some because of trauma or toxicity that comes from outside or even inside. And if that cellular debris is not able to get out or you have so much debris compared to your ability to your body to get it out then you get inflammation they call that neuro nerve neuro inflammation that's actually neuro big fancy word neuroimmune system because the nervous system and the immune system work together cycling back to what we talked of before and they're just kind of catching up on this now by what they're able to see inside the brain with the latest research. Yeah. Huge. And so when we then talk about um, brains needing, we need to make sure we're detoxifying, then hello, this is, this is where we start doing all of our peri exercises, correct? Well, here's the first <laughs> part. People say, well, how, how do I, you know, help detoxify my brain? And I'm like, well, first of all, it's awareness that you need to. Yeah. <laughs> And we because, all need to actually make it part of our practice of self-care is the way I see it. Yeah, you should. I mean, your body's trying to heal itself all the time. That's what it does. Right. I mean, but you can't just forget about it and put it on autopilot. You got to you got to lift the weights and carry the water. I call it. You got to put some work in some. Effort yeah. In. Yeah. Health is is 
something you have to work for. It's a four letter word, W-R-K, <laughs> right? It's, it's, it's not a right by any means. That would be great if it was, but you, you, just knowing that you need to do some things to take care of it because you can't change something until you become aware of it. That's half the battle, right? Well, absolutely. And so much of what we do in modern life takes us away from caring for ourselves. We're literally doing the opposite of what caring for yourself would actually look like most of the time. Or you want somebody else to do it. And then the Uh, way you want them to usually do it is to give you something that comes in a bottle. So you have to do the least amount of work possible. You're trying to change chemistry through chemistry. That's only a, I'm not saying you don't need it, but it's only one piece of the puzzle. You have to go back and look at the story of the person of, of why they even need it in the first place because all those medications become toxins too i have some people that are taking 15 20 different medications i mean think about what that's doing to first of all your stomach and you know if you can't even absorb what you put into your mouth you're already toxic because you know most people when they're under a lot of pain and under a lot of chronic stress they're under sympathetic nervous system dominance called fight flight freeze fawn the four f's And when you're in that state, the digestion process slows down, which means the production of stomach acid slows down because that's supposed to digest food, which you shouldn't be eating if you're about ready to be killed. That's what the fight flight process. Mm. Hey, we don't have time to eat and rest and digest, man. We got to get away because we're going to be dead quick, fast and in a hurry. That takes the priority. Yeah. So it shuts down stomach acid production over the long haul. And then whatever you put into your mouth, including your supplements, can't be broken down efficiently. And so, one, you can't absorb the nutrients that you need to get well, even though you're taking them inside your mouth, which is really important. Just because you eat something doesn't mean you're absorbing it at all. And even if you're absorbing it, it doesn't mean you're metabolizing it. Those are different. Like, even if it gets into a cell, can the cell do anything with it? And then when it does something with it, it's got to get rid of it, right? And what do we call that when it gets rid of it? Waste. And if that can't get out, you're in big trouble. So the number one thing that I tell people in relationship to stress, why it's important is because it shuts down digestion and stomach acid production, which automatically changes how you absorb protein, how you break down protein. And what we find is, is that you can actually, when you can't break down protein, you can't make the amino acids. And then, so you can't go through your healing cycle, but you also, that means you have excess protein in the body. And then the excess protein floats around this fluid that the cells live in. And then that causes inflammation and pain. It kicks off what they call a cytokine reaction, which is well, you'd end up with quite a bit of ammonia hanging out too, wouldn't you? Yeah, you can make yeah. a lot of ammonia that comes out, and then the ammonia travels up into your brain, and you get ammonia inside the brain. But you also get proteins inside the brain as cellular debris that um, can't get out, and that's when you get the neuroinflammation or the Alzheimer's disease or the Parkinson's disease or all these other. See, all these different, they have different names, but they're still from an underlying same mechanism of toxicity and inflammation and debris that can't get out of the body. And that's really, really important. I see why this is so powerful for me, because I had all that. Like I had 
a lot of ammonia in my system. I had a lot of toxicity in my brain. I had clogged lymphatics. I had a systemic full body candida infection. I had uh, a gut that had almost no wall left to it. I, I was, I was an absolute disaster. And <laughs> me know, too. I needed to, About five I years needed. ago, this was exactly me as well. It's just yeah, crazy so how I, sick a human can get and still be alive is what I used to think when I was in that state. I was like, this is nuts that someone can feel this horrific and still be alive was and for me looking back isn't that amazing how hard the human body tries to keep us going at all cost like it just keeps working so if we harness that energy and start using healing techniques our body's always fighting for us yeah well, that's an important frame for people to remember because when you're going through it you feel like your body's turned on you yeah. you feel abandoned and you can actually turn to resentment mm. how okay so let's so how did, did you change that story in your head because i'm i went there for sure um you know you can feel like a victim and why me you know i'm here busy helping people like what is this for karma like i i had a whole story going on for a couple of months there that was really toxic so let me tell you something that's pretty cool that i came to so people know all that, right? They know that the body's trying to work for them and they, sometimes they know what they need to do to get better and they're in this funk and people say, you know, you got to snap out of it. You got to do your mantras. You got to do your meditation and stuff like that. But it's, it's hard for you to do that because you have so much inflammation and you have so little energy in the body. And, you know, you can't do anything without energy, especially think. So when you've got so much inflammation around the brain, you won't change your habits because it's, it's living in inflammation. So it's almost, I tell people, it's almost not your fault because you don't know what you don't know. Those neurons that need to wire and fire are in an environment that's toxic and polluted, basically. So mine only got better when I began to move some of the toxins out of my body through the lymphatic system and and working on the vagus nerve to put myself into a lot of less of a fight flight freeze freak out response because when you're in that response of saving your life you know you, you take all the blood flow from the front of your head which yeah. is the bye-bye prefrontal part. cortex yeah, that's the reasonal and logic part mm. that that's going to go out to lunch because all the blood flow and energy is going to go to the back at the brainstem because that's where the survival instinct resides. So your brain has to make a choice. I've only got a limited amount of energy and I'm going to take whatever oxygen I can get. It uses about 20% of the available oxygen in the body. The other main one is your kidneys that uses 20%. And so if you've got a decrease in oxygen in your body, which trust me, you do if you're sick, because um, I don't care if you're breathing or not. I only can care if it can go into the cell. Just because you're breathing doesn't mean oxygen is going into the cell either. So um, it says, okay, well, limited energy, limited oxygen, and we want to not die. And let's not sit down and think logically about life. I'm going to send it all to the back. 
Right? And then you also become very emotional as well. And so you see people who their whole mood changes, the whole behavior changes, their, their habits change, and they want to get out of the quicksand, but they can't. That's why you can't reason your way out of and talk your way out of the stuff that you need to do until you start to get some of these fundamentals and basics back of working your lymphatic system and working the vagus nerve and getting some toxins to drain from your brain and taking some of your stomach acid to get that up, all those basic small things uh, to do. So here's what I learned a long time ago. It's not necessarily what you do. It's when you do it in the order that you do it in that makes a difference if it's going to work or not. Yeah. Okay. But like, so what I said before, like breathing is great, but Breathing into a system that's overloaded with toxins ain't going to get you very far. Mm. So you have to to get the toxins to move first through the lymphatics before you breathe. So why aren't people talking about lymphatics more in primary care? I ask myself that every single day of my life. That's why I'm absolutely relentless on it, because I have to make up for everybody else (laughs) talking about it. And uh I personally, I don't think you could talk about it enough. Mm. People joke around with me and say, I mean, can you talk about anything else but the lymphatics? <laughs> um, no, because it all. Well, I think first. the answer should be like, are you doing your lymphatic exercise? No. Yeah. Well, there it is. That's why I keep talking about it. But it always comes first in my world. And I'm trying to change that. I will tell you that I've been teaching lymphatics for about five years now. Yeah. It's definitely starting to grow. It's starting to come around for two reasons. One, when people start doing it, they feel really, really good. And they tell other people. And then the other one is uh, medicine and science are finally starting to catch up because they're they're looking at the role of the lymphatics in brain health. Mm. Yeah. And and we know that the neurodegenerative disorder things, even from, from autism and ADHD, all these things are going up. And plus we can see things in real time now with a functional MRIs that we couldn't see before. So it's kind of getting into the spotlight, which is good. And I'm certainly going to do my part. You can count on that. (laughs) Yeah, it's brilliant. And I mean, it just kind of shows, I I have an example where uh, if you look at gut health, for example, and I can actually pinpoint where my gut functioned well over the last 15 years. And it was in places that weren't water damaged. What are places that are water damaged do to me? They send my nervous system into fight, fight, freeze, freeze, fawn. And so I know for a fact that if I'm in that mode, my gut health goes down the toilet. Um, And unfortunately, not much goes down the toilet. (laughs) Pardon the pun, too much information. But I, I use this example because how many gut healing diets did I try? How many supplements did I try to take? Butyrate, glutamate, you know, you name it. I tried everything before I knew my nervous system was dysregulated. I was on everything to try and fix my gut. Then when I knew the nervous system regulated the gut in large part and I started working on that, well, lo and behold, no issues anymore. Yeah, that's really huge what you just said there and Mm. few people know about that. Exactly. Yeah. And so lymphatics for me seems to be this other 
elephant in the room. And I, I know that's probably why you're passionate about talking about these two things over and over again. Yeah. And they all relate together because yeah. most of your lymphatics lives in your gut. Mm-hmm. So if you have a gut problem, you had a lymph problem. But yeah. also if you have a lymph problem, you have a gut problem. Yeah. Because many times your gut protocols won't get better because you have a, uh, overloaded over toxic lymphatic system. Mm-hmm. So the gut program won't work. And it's the same thing with the brain. The, the brain has lymphatics too. And what's called glymphatics for they're part of the glial cells in the brain. They're called non-neuronal cells, not neurons in the cells. You actually have more glial cells than neurons. In the wow. Brain. And 90, 90% more, like no joke more. And those are a big part of those are considered the immune part, immune system part of the brain they're called microglia and Mm -hmm. they get turned on to scavenge for debris always surveilling for debris and they can get activated and then you have the astrocytes and they're a big part of the system that drains the toxins from the brain through the veins of the brain and through the lymphatics of the brain there's many there's multiple pathways in there and then you have the oligodendrocytes, big fancy word that those are the guys that help form some myelin sheaths around the nerve. So they go really, really fast. Um, so those you have by far more astrocytes than anything, and they play a huge role in toxin removal. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that when you actually have peripheral inflammation in the body, it activates the microglia in the brain. So when you have peripheral inflammation outside the brain, particularly like in your gut, it'll flip on the microglia in your brain and you'll get neuron inflammation in the brain. And basically your immune system starts attacking your brain at the same time. And then they listen, they turn on to get rid of debris. Yeah. Okay. But what happens if you, if you're not able to get rid of debris for a long period of time, Hmm. well, they're going to stay on. Yeah. Right? And so that's why you need to get rid of, you need to get that system moving, which is huge. And what I learned from studying the brain and um, from neuroscience is that people who don't get well from gut issues is because you can't treat the gut by itself. The gut and the brain have an intricate communication with each other. So you have to go after the brain first. And what do I mean by that? Well, Usually you go after the vagus nerve, which is the primary, it's called a cranial nerve that sits on your brain stem. It's number 10 out of 12. You have two, you have a left one and you have a right one. And that vagus nerve is to me the most important nerve in the body because it controls the inflammation response in the body. Turn it on, turn it off, modulate it up, modulate it down. And it takes you off that fight, flight, freeze, fawn thing that you're in. So you can rest, relax, recover, and grow because you can't do that when you're fighting for your life. Your brain has to say fight or heal. You can't do both at the same time. It's impossible. So when you have that dysregulated system, you lost the ability to heal, even though you're doing everything well, because your nervous system just couldn't go down long enough. And then the vagus nerve gets affected too, because of the toxins in the brain and the toxins in the gut, they travel both ways from each other, which cycles back to my question on trauma to the head, mm-hmm. like, because that can impact how things move in the head. Right. And so 
a lot, all of these things have to go together. One of the biggest lessons that I learned for helping gut issues is not to go from the gut up, but to go from the brain down. So yeah. I always go north to south mm -hmm. in my work. So I start at the brain, then I look at the esophagus and the throat, then I look at the stomach and down. That's why I said that stomach acid is the thing you need to look at before you start doing gut healing protocols. Because if you're trying to, trying to take 20 gut supplements, I'm going to ask you a question. What are you going to do with that if you don't have enough stomach acid? <laughs> yeah. You're going to yeah. put more toxins into your system and you're going to make yourself worse. And plus, you're going to be wasting your money. Yeah. And this is why so many people, you hear it often. I'm doing all the right things, though. Why isn't it getting any better? Well, right is uh, the term yeah. there. Right? But it's Maybe like, it's, it's just like we haven't we haven't started from the top down. We're doing things here. We're doing things there. We're well, breathing without all, being able to get oxygen in the cells. Yeah. But you also have to be careful that maybe you, you're doing too many right things. Okay. So what do I mean by that? Mm. Well, just because you can do a lot of good things to yourself at once doesn't mean you should. And I'm going to tell you, you shouldn't Ooh. because the longer you're sick and the longer your nervous system is dysregulated, the less it can tolerate. Hmm. So if I'm throwing 10 things at you, uh, it's going to be too much and your nervous system is not going to shut down or push back harder Yeah, because it reaches this tolerance level really, really fast. So yeah. I have to drop down to one or two things and then the system can tolerate it. So a lot of people I have, they're spending $10,000 on 25 supplements at once. No, no, no. You got, you got to go in easy. Because you're stuck in that fight response and the, the nervous system has to grant you access to it. Right? So it's like this. So when you're under stress, you have what's called a stress bucket where it's a bucket like you're filling up with water and you keep stacking, you keep stacking, you keep stacking and it holds a lot. Right? But you get really close to the top, like up here, it only takes one drop to reach what we call threshold. That's where everything overflows. Everything below that is called sub threshold, which means you're good. You don't feel anything. I'm all great. But as soon as you reach the top, threshold is broken. That means that, dude, whatever you, whatever I put in from the, the get-go after that is going to send you over the edge really fast. So what I have to do is start dumping some of that stress out, I have to start dumping some of that water out, AKA dumping some of those toxins out. Then I can begin to tolerate more. And 100%. That's a really big thing that I found. One of the reasons that people don't get better is they're doing too many things at once. And then maybe it is the right thing, but it might not be right for you at, the, at this right time, at, at time. the moment you're in. 100%. That's uh, really, really important for people to understand. It doesn't mean that you're broken and blame your body or why it's not working. Mm -hmm. The biggest, biggest thing I could tell people right now is to, to back off of a lot of stuff that you're doing. Don't just stop everything, by the way, at one time. You have to work with whoever you're working with and talk to them about it and uh, introduce things in much easier much slower. So you can get a better reading of how your body responds and reacts to things that you put in it. Cause sometimes, you know, better than anybody else, it's really hard to tell what things inflame your system or your gut, because sometimes you might not get the reaction until two or three days later after you eat yeah. it. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, 100%. Okay, example, intermittent fasting for me in a dysregulated nervous system state literally sent my body into ridiculous amounts of panic. It probably Mm -hmm. thought, oh, my God, there's never going to be any food again. All the food that you give me today, I'm going to hold on to it all. And But I didn't know until about a week in. I was like, oh, yeah, I can do this. This is working. And then it exploded in my face and I put on four kilos in the space of days. And I was like, oh, I need to do more vagus nerve work before I try that again. Yeah. Well, that's a great realization because not Mm. intermittent fasting can be wonderful, but it's not for everyone. Mm. And it's not not... for everyone for that time. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's the thing. So every therapy can work for someone at the right time. But I just know human behavior, we're at least in the the Western US, we think bigger is better and more is better. Like not so much, especially when you're dealing with the brain, it hits a a limit really fast because there's a limited amount of energy in the body. So those, when people get really tired or fatigued very quickly, you know, those are the people that maybe spend five minutes reading and they're gassed. Or I have a lot of people when I'll try to do some neurological exercises to help strengthen their eyes because you have muscles in your eye or you're doing some um, neural exercises and I can only sometimes do two minutes with them because they start to get really tired and they start to decrease what we call accuracy, balance, and coordination. So I know that the brain is having a tough time and then we stop like done. Like, I know you want to keep going, but we're not because I know if we keep going at that standpoint, you're not learning anything. You're doing it. But doing doesn't isn't the same thing as learning. So that's why you have to go in really easy with corrective exercises or movements and maybe only do something for two to three minutes and then stop. And then you start again later, because I have a lot of people who do I have to do all these and get these in for my rehab. Well, I'm going to tell you that I think you're clinically doing wasting your time. Because it's what the what the nervous system will grant you access to when you've been dysregulated for such a long period of time you're hyped up on uh cortisol and until it drops yeah and you're you've got adrenaline going on and then when when you have too much of that happening you actually when you're in fight flight freeze freak out you vasoconstrict so tissues get tighter arterial capillary flow gets tighter venous flow gets tighter lymphatic flow gets tighter. What do you think happens when, when that happens? When stuff gets tight, you lose the ability to deliver nutrients and oxygen to tissue because you just restricted the flow valve. So you're automatically getting less, but you're also getting less out. So I'm choking off your plumbing to get things out of the body. And you get those out mostly through the veins of your body, venous flow. 90% of the toxins that drain from your brain come through the internal jugular vein in your brain. And it just so happens it's the same hole that the vagus nerve exits. They come out of the same hole. So what I'm going to tell you is if you got toxicity around the internal jugular vein, 
and restriction and flow there, you're going to affect your vagus nerve right at the exit point. And so all that toxins have to back up inside the brain. That's why you want to put yourself into this parasympathetic state, the vagus state, that's vasodilation. And then, so everything shrinks a little bit. And especially at night, they know from clinical research that when you sleep at night, the brain actually physically shrinks itself because of the change in epinephrine and norepinephrine in the brain. And so the tissue shrinks a little bit and then it opens up. So the what's called the cerebrospinal fluid or the CSF can move freely and it basically power washes and flushes out the toxins that are around the neurons and in the cells. And then from there, that's when you have the astrocytes that come on out and the microglia that come on out. And then they're just like little Pac-Man, that old game going around. And then they're going to shunt those into the veins and into what they call the uh, meningeal lymphatics. They just live along the brain here. And then they're going to put them into those systems and they drain the lymphatics will drain down into the cervical, the neck lymph nodes here. And the vein one in the head and neck will drain down into the heart. Okay. But even the cervical lymph node drainage will eventually go back to the heart too, through the same vein system. Because the lymph always dumps into the veins. And then it, it goes back out through the heart again, and then it can circulate through the bloodstream, and then it can go through the detoxification process, the elimination process through the liver, through the kidneys, all that sort of stuff. So if you're, if you're, here's the big, what people need to understand. If you're blocked in the lymphatics in the neck, you're going to block the lymphat, the toxin removal from your brain here. But the neck lymphatics are also connected to the lymphatics everywhere else. So if you have a uh, lymphatic, what they call stasis, stagnation, uh, obstruction, basically doesn't move as well as it should in your abdomen. Uh, in your lungs, in your sternum, then that's going to that's going to change the ability for the pressure in the brain to eliminate the toxins coming from lower in the body. Hence, that's why you can't separate the brain from the body with no matter what you do. And it's quite interesting that what what they're I was just studying it tonight because I was reading about glial cells and inflammation in the body. And the guy who actually discovered the meningeal lymphatics uh, system there, his name is Jonathan Kipnis, really brilliant uh, neuroscientist. And I'm going to read you this because I'm going to put it on Instagram after we hang up. Oh, nice. Uh, he said, right now, all the experiments we have done are not refuting the initial hypothesis. So basically they had a hypothesis and everything, every test that they're running is so far saying that's a smart hypothesis. Okay. Promising. <laughs> the, the lymphatics, mm -hmm. the microglia, which are the immune sentinels of the brain and the blood brain barrier which is the barrier that's preventing toxicity from coming across the brain. But 
If it breaks through your gut, it's going to break through your brain. Okay. If it breaks through one, it breaks through the other. Are all functioning together as one unit. Wow. So they all work together. And he mm. said that the way that he can determine how well the lymphatics are working is actually by looking at how well the microglia are working. Because if the lymphatics are not working well in your body, you're going to get excess toxins everywhere in the body, including the brain. And then the microglia are going to have to kick in more mm -hmm. and then they can become activated. And then that's where you can cause a lot of it. They're called the macrophages of the brain, which yeah. means they gobble stuff up. And eventually they start to gobble up your own brain. Wow. So if I tell everybody, if you want to stand a chance on brain health, you have to go after the lymphatic system and mm. you have to go after the gut too, because most of the lymphatics in the body live in the gut and in the neck. Mm. That's no accident. No, it's no accident. And uh, you know how you're always telling us to um, have a feel around. I'm doing it right now. <laughs> you probably hear it, but I'm having a feel of my abdomen. And about a couple of weeks ago, I had really bad lower back pain. And like, when I say uh, like a full on spasm, when I was doing a workout with my son, it just went and like wrapped around the base of my um, spine and base of my back. And I had a lot of trouble moving, sleeping. And I felt around my stomach that day and it was so sore in so many different places. It was just pain. I was like, okay, what, what do I need to do here? And I just, I did your big six. Um, and for people who don't know what that is, uh, I will actually video myself doing it and chuck it in the show notes so that you can have a little demo. Um, so, you know, people can actually start doing this. Uh, and uh, I realized mm, I hadn't really been religious with my big six for a little while, maybe a couple of weeks. Isn't oh, that in don't tell me that. <laughs> I know. I'm sorry. Um, but like literally three days later, my stomach didn't hurt anymore. I was yeah. feeling around everywhere. It was super squishy, like really easy to touch. Um, and then doing some good chiropractic and all the other good things that we do to, to get moving again, I was fine and I haven't missed the big six since, but, um, good. but yeah. it's just so like, you know, things just need to hit you in the face a couple of times sometimes before you actually think, yeah, that's just not something I negotiate. That's something I just wake up and do. It's part of my habit stack. Yeah. Well, that's kind of what pain is. Yeah. Pain is a signal that, okay, you got to move on something because mm. you know, no more, no more Mr. Nice for you. Yeah. And it, pain is telling you, you need to change something. You, you might not know what it is, but you need to know it needs to be different than what you're doing now. That's why it's just, you, you try different things. So one doing the big six is a really great change. Rubbing and massaging your abdomen is also a really great change. That's a huge link to lower back pain ginormous link to lower back pain. And especially if you've got an autoimmune disease or a chronic disease, working your abdomen has zero negotiation. Because I already know it's a hot mess. That's why you got what you got. I just have to determine how much. And, uh, you, you know, most people feel pain or discomfort everywhere else but the abdomen. Unless it's progressed to where you get something like what? 
diverticulitis, Crohn's disease, irritable bowel disease, excess bloating or gas. That's the only time people usually pay any attention to their abdomen. And it should be the other way around. Like you should be always taking care of that. Because everything that goes into your body has got to go in one tube, your mouth. It's got to go all the way down. The, the, the gut is the largest surface area of the human body exposed to the outside world. So it's actually your largest sensory organ. Maybe far, people say it's your skin. No, skin is not even close to the gut. Huge amount. So if you have gut inflammation, that already puts you into a fight, fight, freeze, freak out response because you're always on high alert because the constant threat sensory input into the nervous system from the inflammation in the gut. That's why you have to work the vagus nerve. And what I tried to teach people with the vagus nerve is that there's a lot of different things you can do to help that by one, removing toxicity from the head, neck, and brain and the lymph, but you can manually stimulate the vagus nerve too. Mm. And what are, can we share a couple of favorite exercises to do that? Yeah. Yeah, sure. It's really simple. It just so happens that they coincide with some lymphatic releases. (laughs) Double bonus that, right? Nice. Love it. A lot of them coincide with a couple of the big six. So one, one of the places that you can rub and it's the exit point of the vagus nerve from the skull to go down the neck is where you're pointing now. If, if people are watching, they'll be able to see it. If not, I'll say it. You're going to go to the top of the neck, right behind the angle of the jaw, right where your earlobe is. There's this little pocket in there. Right there is where the vagus nerve drops out of the head on the left and on the right. And it also happens to be where the largest lymph node of the neck resides. So if the lymphatic lymph node here is irritated or stuck or obstructed, it's going to compromise the vagus nerve function. You can get what they call a lesion there. It means that the nerve doesn't glide well is what it means. Nerves like to glide. So if you just put your fingers there and you rub up and down or side to side or actually do circles clockwise or counterclockwise like that, you don't have to push really hard. Um, I also tell people if you are comfortable with essential oils or you use essential oils, you can put a good quality brand uh, right there on both sides and rub it in as well. I don't really care which oil you use. The more different varieties, the better. The other one is the vagus nerve wraps around your esophagus as it goes down to your stomach and it actually exits right at the stomach. So I tell people to do what is taught in Eastern medicine. It's called a thymus stump for the thymus gland that actually sits behind your sternum, which is part of your immune system. And what you're going to do is this. I'm going to change the angle so I can see myself. If you make a fist mm-hmm. right, and then make sure your thumb is not curled over your knuckles oh. here in front. Yeah. You want it to be here. Okay. And yeah. you're going to do basically this side where you have your knuckles and your palm and your wrist. Mm-hmm. This is the striking point here Yep. Uh, Got for it. the sternum. Right. Mm-hmm. And what you're going to do is you're actually going to start at the top of the sternum. And I want you to thump 
right there and then work your way all the way down towards the bottom of the sternum and then hit that and people say how long well you just play around with it and the re why is that helpful one because it's vibration and you're sitting vi you're sending vibrational energy into the sternum but you're also vibrating the vagus nerve that sits there but you're also freeing up the toxins of the lymphatics gets, that get stuck running behind the sternum mm. and they get stuck in between the ribs here. Yeah. People right? get those like um, inflammations around there. Yeah. yeah. And you have a lot of toxicity in the lungs and uh, lymphatics in the lungs and people don't expand in their lungs very well because they're so tight in the chest. They're rounded forward with posture. So they can't open their rib cage from the front side and back. And then you have too much, you have decreased pressure ability here. Mm -hmm. And then you, you lose the ability to move fluids. Okay? Yeah. So there's a lot happening there. When you hit your sternum, don't think it's some silly thing. I'm going to tell you right now, it's one of those powerful things you can do to yourself neurologically. If you know neurology and physiology, it's no joke. Yeah. Right. And like, would we add a sound? Would that be helpful? Yeah. Why would you want to do that? Vagus well, nerve, like, right? yeah, we for know, extra vibration, vagus nerve. We know that singing mm. stimulates the vagus nerve, right? So you can sing a song. You can make any sound that you want. I have a tendency to like one particular sound. And I learned this from Peter Levine, who did uh, a lot of e emotional based work. And he found that the Vu sound with V O O O O O. Oh yeah, because you do the Vu I um, yeah, exercise. Vu -I -E. Yeah, So I made that one up to, to get a couple of other sounds in there. But if you do this sound, if you do that right now, you'll feel your throat vibrate a lot, and you'll feel your sternum vibrate a lot just from doing the Vu. Mm -hmm. Vu. Yeah, and nice. you can have a really, really long exhale when you mm -hmm. do a voo sound. And when you have a long exhale, you stimulate the parasympathetic nervous system more. So mm -hmm. you'll relax yourself. Yeah. So what you can do now is do the sound, do the hit, and then do the voo at the same time. Boo. Ah, feels good. Yeah, uh, it feels mm. really good. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, and then the other one is what you mentioned before is that if you just massage the abdomen, mm -hmm. or what I usually tell people to do, make it easy on yourself. One, you can massage your abdomen any way you want. It's just knowing you need to do it. Um, you can get one of those small little massage vibration balls that you buy, not the guns that you pull the trigger and it's like a jackhammer. That's too hard. It, that's too invasive for a hypervigilant nervous system you have the balls that vibrate like little massagers and you put that on your abdomen you're going to stimulate your vagus nerve like crazy and you're going to stimulate your length right so that right there is a really really important sequence to show a lot of attention to the front of the body which has a lot of, a lot of neglect to it but also when you did that you increased lymphatic fluid drainage. You increased venous flow drainage. 
Those are toxin removal ones. And then you also increased vascular flow from your arterial system. And then running along every single one of those three systems are all the nerves that run with it. Okay. So when people, it's, I always joke around when, when I say to people, when they say, when you push here, doc, and you're rubbing there, what are you actually affecting? And my answer is the same as it was before. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Everything. There's, you can't separate the systems together. That They all work together. Right. But I also want you to realize that there's a reason that I showed you to do it the way that I want you to do it. Now, remember, I said that it's important. The order that you do things makes a difference on how well they work. If you started from the bottom and worked your way up, it wouldn't be the same. Even though you're stimulating the same areas, it's physiologically not the same. Why? Because I'm hitting points where you have a lot of tightness and tension and restriction. And I know that those points have to be cleared in that order in order for the fluids to drain as efficiently as possible. So that's the thing that I've really taken a lot of time to do is one, discover what you need. But then I also have to play around. I think about like making moves on a chessboard. I have to figure out what's the what's the sequence? What's the move that's going to be best for you to do it? And the probably the best analogy that I can give on it, if I have a few more moments, is uh, I want to I want to play into this. The, the order in which you do things make a difference on how well they work. I want you to think about something else of making a recipe. If you've ever had a recipe, you know, you have a list of ingredients, right? Now, very rarely does the recipe card say, just take everything and throw it in one bowl <laughs> and mix it up. That's a good analogy. I love it. Because <laughs> it's probably not going to turn out well. Yeah. Right. What do they tell you to do? First of all, they tell you to dose things. Mm. So the dosage matters. Because if you put two tablespoons of pepper as opposed to an eighth, not so good, mm. right? Even though pepper is good. Okay. Yeah. Then they tell you, I want you to take these three ingredients, mix them into a bowl and put them to the side. Mm. And then I want you to take these, mix them in a bowl, put them to the side. And now I want you to take those two bowls and mix them together. Now, in the back of your mind, you would be you, you wouldn't question it with the recipe. But if you think about it, it's it's all the ingredients still going into the same bowl. Right. Mm. But it's not. It's mm. nowhere near the same thing. Why? No. Because how the three things interact with each other changes the consistency of the relationship of how they're going to bind or work with the other ones now. Yeah. So that's really, really important for people to understand that you have to select what needs to be done with one thing, what needs to be done with the other, and then when to put them together. Because when you change the order in which you do things, you completely change the how the body reacts to it and the physiology reacts to it. So what I mean by that is this. When, when you do something to the body, it's, it's an input, a physiological input, like a sensory input, even from what you feel or, or emotionally, what, what you put together with what you just did, right? Every time you do something, you have in your mind a perception of what you're supposed to feel when you do it based on what you felt when you did it before, right? Yeah. 
So you're going to have that stimulus, which gives you an output. Then that output is going to dictate what it does with the next input. You follow? Mm-hmm. 100%. Now, if I switch those around, it's completely different because the body has to react differently to the initial stimulus, which can be vastly, vastly different. So if I put a therapy on you that hurt you last time, and I do that first, I just changed how all the other therapies going to work. You understand? So, but if I flip it around, then I get a different reaction. And that, and that's, listen, it's not easy to do. And because this is what this process involves. And that's what I find a lot of people don't want to do, which is think. Mm. You can't just pull out a recipe card and just go. Yeah. Right. And not everybody has the same card. So how do you know what you need to do? Well, that's where it comes down to clinical observation, watching and observing and seeing what does a body do with what I just did to it? Mm. And, and so are you going to repeat it or are you going to change it up? And so when we're at home and we want to work on this stuff ourselves and we want to um, start exploring things and we can't just fly to Jersey and come see you, uh, or, or maybe even your courses might just be a little out of reach financially. A lot of people are doing it tough right now. Is it enough to um, like just start with even what we talked about? Do the rubbing here, do the pounding, do the sound, and then give yourself a good tummy massage and observe. What are we observing for working and not working if we are undertaking a bit of a curious experiment at home ourselves? Yeah, that's a great question. And yeah, absolutely. It's going to be enough. Mm. Right. What did we say before? You don't have to hit it with a sledgehammer to get it. Yeah, I got it. Yeah. Effect, effective things don't have to be complicated. Mm. My programs are almost so simple. They're stupid. <laughs> like if you're going to have to, if you're saying to yourself, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. Now you're on the right track. Right. Because all the stuff that I'm teaching you is backed up by a lot of neuroscience behind it. Right. And, and I know that it works. So it's those little tiny things that you do that can make a huge difference. The reason what, what we showed before works so powerful is this. The number one thing you have to do is to get your body off out of a state of this fight, flight, survival mode, because it's going to put up a wall to you changing anything. Right? Change can happen after you're not dead. You follow? And so in order to do that, I need to stimulate the vagus nerve. That's probably the fastest way to knock you out of that state that you're stuck in because it stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. It's also one of the reasons why breathing diaphragm breathing can pull you out really fast because it's a great way to change your autonomic nervous system, which is the sympathetic and parasympathetic. So I'm going to lower you out of that. So you feel a little bit less threatened and a little more safe. Right. And that's the first question the brain asks, am I safe or not? If it gets a no, you're not changing, you're not changing anything, at least not for the long term. Then after it's safe, it asks, am I loved or not by yourself or someone else, but mostly by yourself. Um, and then, uh, once you have that, 
you also tapped into the things that I told you before of getting better blood flow in because you were so tight now that you've relaxed, getting toxins out now that your tension has relaxed, and then freeing up the blockages of the lymphatics. So if they add the big six to it that you'll show with what I just showed you, uh, this is when people send me messages and they go, that's the craziest thing I've ever seen. I can't believe how much better and how different I feel just from those small, simple things. And it took me literally two minutes and it, they get blown away about how easy it is. And then they say to themselves, there's no way it can be that simple. Well, why they say that is because if it was that simple, somebody would have told them that before. And I'm like, yes, you would think so. Yeah. <laughs> Well, not so much. Yeah. And then the thing is, you look back at indigenous medicine and practice and rituals, and there's a lot of beating and banging and singing and um, jumping and, and all the things. It's there. It's just it's taken us a heck of a long time to come back. Yeah. Well, we kind of innately know that too. Mm, right? Yeah. But a part of it too is that, you know, when you start to do that stuff, you feel like an idiot. <laughs> In the modern context, again, because we're yeah, so and you should disconnected. It's, it's contextual and it's cultural, but mm. just, you know, singing and dancing and you know, jumping up and down, which is called rebounding, right? And all those sorts of things. That's just movement and it's vibration, and vibration is energy, and that's what your body needs, the energy. But when I when I work with the things here, I'm concerned about how fluids flow in the body. Because I know one thing, if fluids don't move, you're not getting better. I don't care what the hell you do. I'm going to stand by that till I'm dead. So what you have to do is you have to get the fluids to move. That's what movement's for, right? And this is where people say, doc, but I move all the time and I breathe all the time. I'm like, that's good. That's good. But here's the problem. Sometimes you've got so much stagnation and so much blockage in the system that those are not enough anymore. You have to go in there and physically move out the blockages. So another analogy is this. Say I've got water coming down a hill and I got rocks there. Right. So sometimes the water can be strong enough to blast the rocks out. But if they're bigger rocks and they even maybe they're smaller rocks, but they've been there for a long period of time, they're not moving so easy. And then what happens is all that stuff backs up. That's what happens to you. You get puppy, you get swollen, you get edema, you get inflammation. So edema and inflammation is an immune system response. And the lymphatics, its primary job is to remove the inflammation and the edema and the swelling. All right. Sometimes you got to go in there and you got to pick up those damn rocks and you got to move them. Well, that's what the big six is. The big six is going in and moving the rocks. Right. And once you do that, the water says, thank you very much. I appreciate that. That's all I needed because you don't have to tell the water where to go. It knows where to go. You just have to get out the obstructions out of the way. It's the same thing with your body. It's called innate for a reason, which you can't even say anymore. It, it's supposed to be uh, it, intelligent and it knows where stuff's got to go. You just have to help it get out of the way so it can get there. And that premise, that's the stuff that I was looking for. That premise was the single fundamental premise that I've been searching for for 27 years of 
there's got to be something that I'm missing, right? And that was it. And did it take you getting really unwell for it to all start to make sense? Like, was it, was that the moment you started to see that? Yeah. That's why I tell people that what I went through was horrific, but I'm grateful at the same time. Um, You know, it's called the gift of injury, right? Where, where the hardship forces you to see things that you would not have looked for in the first place. Cause if you're comfortable, you're not going to change. Why the hell would you? Cause you're comfortable. That's what pain is. Pain is discomfort because you just stay whatever, doing whatever. And for me, it's what I needed to say, okay, the answer is out there and I'm going to crush you. Here it comes to find it. But I really believe that it was, it's not, I found it for myself, but the reason I do this stuff and why I love it so much is because I found out so many other along the way, so many other people are suffering way, even way more than I did. And then they don't know this stuff either. Right. And, and I'm in healthcare and I've been studying stuff for many years and even I didn't blow it. So I don't expect them to know it. And so now my whole purpose, you might say my mission, my calling is to try to explain that system, tell them about that system, but then give them very easy, simple things that they can do to start to take care of it because it's also so powerful that if you do too much on that one uh you can make somebody feel worse because Mm. the system can't and that that's coming back to um the nervous system freak out right it's like ah this is now dangerous and then it'll kind of backfires yeah yeah that because it becomes hypersensitive hyper vigilant right Mm. you know that when People are hyper vigilant. They become sensitive to touch or you say hi to them and then they jump. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So the system just overreacts to everything because it's a survival response, the subconscious survival response. But also you're releasing toxins that have been stored in the body for a long, long period of time into a system that struggles to eliminate toxins. So you can have an overload of toxins being released at once which makes you sicker temporarily. But that's why I created the big six because it's a tiptoe in. It's an easy way to start to free up the system without doing too much to it, right? And you'll also start to move a little bit more freely and feel less tightness or tension in the body. You'll have more mobility because the lymphatic system has these small little mini toilets, I call them, called lymph nodes. And every time toxins goes into that, it, it purifies out like flushing the toilet and then it moves to the next toilet and then the next one. And hopefully by the time they're done, it's cleaned it out a lot. And you got about 700 of those little mini toilets in the body. And nature is pretty smart. Um, she put all those lymph nodes around the joints of the body that need to move the most. Because movement moves lymph. So that's why it's behind the knees. It's in the crease of the groin. It's in your abdomen. It's by the shoulders. It's at the neck. So when you rub and tap those and stimulate those, you move the lymph there, but you also move the big pipes of arteries and veins and nerves because they're, they're big there and they're really tiny in your hands and your feet. 
but your hands and your feet only work as well as the flow of the river higher up the mountain, right? Everybody goes after the hand, the, the, the stuff that hurts, you know, in the distal part, right? So that's good. But so in my world, I, I go for the big pipes first. And then when you hit those joints, you start to feel sensory awareness that you actually have shoulder joints <laughs> or hip joints or knee joints. So you get better body awareness. And this is what's great because when you have better body awareness, guess what you decrease stress because you know where your body is in space and time, at least from a subconscious level, because your brain doesn't want you to move if it doesn't know where your joints are. And so that's one of the reasons why walking with bare shoes on can decrease stress because with shoes on, you kill sensory input into the feet. So your brain doesn't know where your foot is. That's a really, really awesome thing to help the back. So you take your shoes off and you, you ground, you walk outside on this big thing called the earth that has a bioelectric magnetic field to it. And so this is once again, where the order matters. Let's say, for instance, if somebody comes on in and they've got an injury to an ankle that is just holding on and not getting better. Most people have done stuff to the painful foot and you should, right? So for me, I just think this way. I know that this foot is trying to heal itself because that's what the body does. What the hell does a foot need to heal itself? It needs nutrients. Then it needs oxygen. Okay, where does that come from? Oh, yeah, much higher up, right? And then I say, okay, well, it's already been injured and it's trying to get rid of the stuff that's been injured there. And I got to get the bad stuff out of it. I want to get the good stuff in, right? And then I think to myself, well, where in the hell has that stuff got to go? Oh, yeah, it's got to go way higher up, right? And then I think to myself, what if there's blockages higher up? Then stuff can't get to it that needs to get to it. But more importantly, stuff can't get out that needs to get out. And they're going to drain to the places I just told you to hit. And I just told you to massage. So now I don't, I don't ever treat the foot until I clear those places higher up. Because if you've got a block in your abdomen, if you've got a block in the knee above that ankle, if you've got a block in the groin above that ankle on either side, or if I've got a block in my sternum, or I've got a block to where everything has to drain, and where is it draining to? Right at the bottom of the neck at the collarbone. If you've got a blockage anywhere in there, it's going to make a difference because it's not just on the side that hurts that you need to look at. It's the other side because the body works as a unit, right? Those pipes are, they go all over the place, but the pressure in one place affects the pressure in another place. And that's really huge for people to remember. And I see it all the time. I see it all the time where I, I do that to people. First of all, when I touch those places, they jump off the table because they freaking hurt and they're not supposed to hurt. That's my point. And I clear those things up and then they say, I can't believe how much better my foot feels. And then they said, why is that? And I just told you why I just gave you the answer. Right. 
So that's how I want people to start to think. All the systems of the body work together. They never get injured alone. They never heal alone. There's no such thing as an isolated injury in the body. It's all or nothing. There's no such thing as isolated healing in the body. And in medicine, we do the exact opposite. And to me, that's one of the reasons why we're getting sicker and not healthier. There's no way that humans are getting healthier. No way. Well, some humans who are in your community are. And I want to say a huge thank you to that, uh, to you for that work, because it's not easy. I think Brene Brown says one of the single hardest things a human to, can do is to go against convention. Uh, oh, it yeah. is, Take a look yeah. around the globe right now. You yeah. see that in hand in point. If, if it's one of my uh, people that I follow, Lisa Barrett, she's a neuroscientist. She goes, one of the best things for a human nervous system is another human nervous system. Mm. But hang on. She, she also said the worst thing for a human nervous system mm-hmm. is another human nervous system. <laughs> I knew that's where that was going. <laughs> <laughs> and she's right. Yeah. Right. It, it's, it's how you feed off of those around you. All right. That make a big, big difference. And, that's just survival instinct of group mentality. The nail that sticks out the most gets hard, hammered the hardest. That's the Japanese proverb right there. So that also causes inflammation because if you are, if you suppress yourself, you s- repress suppressed emotions, or you don't say your true voice, that's going to come out and it's going to come out in the body through inflammation and in your immune system. Because your emotions are directly connected to your immune system. Mm. Well, Perry, thank you so much for yet another fantastic chat. Uh, I feel like that's a ton for people to go by. Uh, Try the exercises, uh, jump on the show notes to do the big six with me. And, uh, and thanks. Thanks for the work you do. Yeah. Well, I can't believe it's been an hour and 20 minutes. (laughs) I know. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah. yeah, that's a good sign, though. That means we're talking about stuff that we love, right? That, that's you, exactly right. Exactly right. Time. Mm. Well, thank you very much for having me back. I, I had a blast and uh, it, it was always so great to see you and to take in some of your wonderful healing energy. So thank you very much for all that you do. Oh, thanks, Perry. You too. Well, there you have it. Thank you so much for tuning in today. I hope you enjoyed today's interview. And I want to remind you that you can come join me on social on Instagram at Lotox Life or one word or my personal Instagram uh, at underscore Alex with two X's Stuart S-T-U-A-R-T. On Facebook, you can find us at Lotox Life uh, and of course, lotoxlife.com. And if you want additional support and community around leading a Lotox Life, I can't recommend a better thing to do than to come join us at the Low Tox Club for just $49 Australian per year, which is about $29.30 US, about €27 and about £25. You get a stack of club member perks and the benefit of a beautiful private Facebook community. So check out the website, lowtoxlife.com, hit the explore tab and you'll see join the Lotox Club as your very first option there. I hope to see you in there. If not, I will see you in our wider community sometime soon. Thanks again for tuning in.